Welcome to the YFD, your future decided podcast. YFD exists to equip and inspire young adults to dream big dreams and turn them into their destiny. Welcome to what is the second of instalment of Adventures in Africa with Simon. Please do check out part one if you haven't done already when Simon told us about all about his time over in Africa and what had happened and what had taken place. We're going to carry on the story and pick up the interview exactly from where we left off. He's going to unpack what life was like in Africa but also then go on to how it's affected him culturally, how you might be able to sign up if you're interested in doing something similar and also a few good stories along the way including his time when he played at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Please enjoy. This is Adventures in Africa, part two. The orphanages then. So, I mean, I, I just imagine it's one of the saddest things is to become an yeah. orphan. And yeah. so, first of all, so why, why were most of them orphaned? Is it, is it through war? Is it through disease? There was, what was it? There was a range. Some, we had SOS Herman Gemeine, who were the people that ran the orphanage, children's mm. villages, took in a lot of children and because they were also really quite well run, yeah. um, the schools that were outside of the orphanage and the primary school also took in children from the children from the local village. The orphans came there for a number of different reasons. A lot of them had HIV and AIDS. It's a really wow. high percentage in Zimbabwe. Okay. I think it's something like twenty-five percent of the population, wow. and it could be even higher. I mean, I know in Malawi it's even higher. I think it's around about forty percent in Malawi. I might be wrong, but there, it was that that level whereas here it's less less than one percent mm. so there was a very high number of children who whose mothers had died yeah. or died in childbirth there was a lot of women who died in childbirth particularly in rural areas yeah. and those children were, were coming to the sos we had children who had been former child soldiers okay um, wow. which were more difficult to deal with because they were older mm. so they'd come from places like the congo and okay. and and really we didn't have any training on that, mm. but then no, neither did anyone else. There wasn't anyone with a big, this is how we're yeah, going to coordinate okay. dealing with these child soldiers. It was that we've taken them out of that area and we're putting them here. Incredible. Um, so who's we? Who's this, the well, charity? Well, uh, yeah, the charity and a lot of the, the they sort of turned up. Mm. So we had a lot of kids that had walked, you know, in terms of, and had been found or discovered and, and they turned up. So uh, SOS Home and were very good and, and organised and they, the children went into houses and there's 10 kids per house. And, okay. and so, so there's quite a few of those SOS orphanages around Zimbabwe. We had some other friends that worked in an orphanage that was privately run, that was part of a nunnery. And that, that wasn't great. I think the, right. talking to Fran and Alison about that, they had a much harder time because I think it was a bit more Lord of the Flies that, that the kids were you know they, they were taught mm. and I think there was a lot of it was very strict and then the sort of their free time and there was less funding as well because they weren't in the national organisation I think they, a lot of the kids were quite hungry or not quite right. well kept and I think that that was hard there are a lot of orphanages in Africa which surprised me and they just run by town like is in yeah I think generally they don't have social services do they no or, not or the equivalent no not not in this not the same level there is there is social services in terms of government organisation there is okay. but it's not it's it's not as we would understand it as social mm. services it's more bureaucratic so it's more about understanding you know a lot of them won't have passports or things like that or okay. birth certificates even so you need that 
basis and they, and they just don't have it. And there are mm. emerging democracies as well. Zimbabwe yeah. had only been you know, out of British rule for, for a decade before we turned up. Right. And a lot of that process that we might have gone through, you know, you know that, that, the process of sort of organisations and, and red tape and things mm. that we might not quite like, that country hasn't had a chance to, to develop that yet. And so they're, they're still going through those processes. So there was another orphanage for the deaf students that we occasionally worked at the weekend. We'd go there and teach rugby to deaf boys wow. in the middle of Harare, which is hilarious. Um, because we thought we'd do really good and, <laughs> and they didn't have any shoes on. So I thought, well, I'll take my shoes off and play rugby on the stones with them. And then the next day they couldn't walk. But that was very, very well run. Mm. But that was privately funded as well. It wasn't okay. an international organisation. Um, privately funded. So who is privately funded? I have things? no idea. I don't know. Really? I think the church in that in the, in that case, I think a lot of money came from the church. So I suppose that is no, no, to, locally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were raising money locally, and I think they had they had sponsorship from outside of the country as well, but not mm. not huge amounts. They none of the orphanages were overrun well. with with wealth, and none of the people who were running them were particularly. You know, they weren't turning up in Jaguars or anything mm. like that. It wasn't e- there wasn't sort of the idea of like this evil person with lots of money not giving the children anything. I think everyone, especially in 1999, everyone was was on the bread line. Yeah, yeah. There was fuel. You know, I know that when I was in Africa, there was a fuel shortage. And so people were sleeping in their cars for two or three days. And the lines that were going from the petrol station were... You know, five or six miles long, and and that was just standard every couple of months. Yeah. And I know we did have fuel shortage here, and I remember speaking to my dad say, and he said he'd had to wait two hours to get petrol. Mm-hmm. And me thinking, well, there's the guys <laughs> that are going to and from work from their car that is sat a hundred yeah. meters from the yeah. petrol station, hoping that the fuel truck doesn't come in the middle of the day because people just drive around their car and go in. Oh, yeah. Wow. So th- I think there there was a lot of there was a lot of problems, and then. The movement for democratic change, the MDC, was the tried to try to overthrow Mugabe, who was Zanu PF, and yeah. that's when we had to pull out about eleven and a half months in because it just wasn't safe for us to be there. Okay. So, so who made that call? That was the, um, the organisation we were working with, Project Trust, and the United Nations pulled out all non-essential volunteers from Zimbabwe. And when you say pulled out, like we're not talking midnight. Grabbing your stuff for so, well, a while. Are almost, we talking about kind of a almost. We got a phone call, and then we got a visit from a guy from the UN, which sounds really important, but mm. it was just a guy. Yeah. And he said, "Right, the United Nations have made this decision. We're going to come in the morning and pick you up." And that was okay. in the afternoon, and so we went out to the pub. They <laughs> said, <laughs> <laughs> "It's not safe here. We've got to pull you out." And so we went to the pub well. and said goodbye. And it was it was very sweet because the 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 local pub was called the Chicken Den, okay. and Vic was the guy who ran it. And we we spent a lot of time there. We didn't drink particularly. We didn't get drunk. Yeah. Um. But we would go on a you know on a Tuesday night and a Wednesday night and Thursday because they had live bands and it was always good yeah, yeah. chat and it was funny and they they'd serve sausage with salt. You could buy a sausage for two zim dollars, and and they put a little pile of salt on your plate and and that was great. And they had a this drink called Chibuku, which came in big sort of litre things called mm. Scuds. And the tagline for it was Hare Yamandashiriwa, 
I think, which meant like share, it was for sharing. Okay. So you would get like an empty bowl and you'd get this scud and you'd put a bit of chibuku into it and you'd put a bit of chocolate milk in it or sometimes something else. And then everyone would have a drink and you'd pass it round. And so wow. you could buy one and then you share it around with as many people as possible and then everyone buys one. And they would do it cheap and everyone liked that. So yeah, so, so we did that one last time and, and then left. And, and I, I would have stayed. Mm. If, if we'd been allowed, I would have stayed. But then I went off to Malawi because I'd, I'd visited Malawi at Easter and right. really liked it. And so one of the backpackers that I'd stayed in I phoned them up and said, "Do you need a, have you got any jobs going? Yeah. And they said, yes, we've got a job for a barman. So right. I went and they paid me in, they paid me 200 Malawi kwacha a day, which was about 20 pence. Okay. But it was free accommodation, free food. And that was great. I loved, yeah. I loved working there because you got to see a different side of Africa, mm. which is the backpacking, uh, which I'd never seen. Is it, so is it boardroom? My, my African job is not very good. Um, yeah, it no, entrance? it's not quite. You've got to go through the tech corridor, which is um, Mozambique. Okay. So uh, is it, but you flew, did you? No, 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 we got a bus. We got a bus? Yeah, yeah. How, how long does that take? What's that, three, uh, four days? It, no, it took, it took two days for the bus, okay. pretty much, like a day and a half. Oh, um, from, from Harare okay. to get up, because Blantyre is... is at the bottom of Malawi, so we didn't have to go all the way up past the lake. What, what's um? You talked a little bit about the pubs and stuff like. That. Yeah. What, what do people do in the free time? Like, I'm intrigued by African culture because the stereotype is is that Africans just love dancing. Yes. They love yeah. community. They love dancing, yeah. and they're strong people. And I'm not saying all that's wrong, yeah. but obviously you can't. You pretty much bob you know. on. I think people worked hard and then and then got together and spent time together, and a yeah. lot of it was was just talk. Yeah. That you would, you would chat on and talk, and there was a lot of gossip and sort of palace intrigue yeah. and yeah, yeah. oh, what are they doing and what's <laughs> happened here? And I don't think this, the, the guy Vic who ran the chicken den wasn't a big fan of the guy who ran a small shop. Okay. And so there was always that Vic would come and tell us about how bad this guy had been, and, and we'd nod and sort of oh that's terrible. So we did that a lot of reading, and um, okay. is is what I did. A lot of reading. I would get through that constantly, getting through books, and we would, would all share share around. So was, was the local libraries and No, there was there was at the at the secondary school. Mm. So we'd occasionally go there, but we would get books sent from home, okay. and then there was about ten volunteers in in Zimbabwe and, and Malawi and things like that, and so and we knew each other, so we'd send books around. So there's a right. copy of The Beach by Alex Garland, which got read, I think, about 15 or 20 <laughs> times. Because people would then, people would pass it around, and, and that was good. We would listen to music. We yeah. had a CD player, okay. um, and, a, and a Morrissey CD. Did you? <laughs> yeah. That's how odd. It was, yeah, so that was, be- that was very Did strange. that keep you grounded then? A yeah, bit. <laughs> I'm not a big Morrissey fan. But then we got Simon Chimberti, who's a big, he's a really famous Zimbabwean uh, musician, mm. and Amadou Miriam. Right. I've seen Amadou Miriam play in Harare in a oh, just really? a, just a dive, but brilliant. Like they're a really big big African band. You yeah, well I know yeah. I've heard them. Oh, I've seen yeah. them big massive so, for the yeah. last what ten years with Yeah, so I, I remember them playing Sine Pabot in in Harare, and that was just like yeah, wow. wow. And so I like that. I like the um, the R and B and that sort of tinny sound mm. to African. I try to learn the marimba. Which is the the sort of the thumb piano? Yeah. Uh, while I was there, I didn't I didn't ever do that. One of the other guys 
from one of the other projects, spent a lot of time doing that. Um, but yes, a lot of writing, we'd write home Yeah. Uh, a lot of the time. It's Christmas, we went down to South Africa, to Cape Town for the millennium, that was really good. I was in a bus crash before that, big scar on my head from wow. the bus crash, which was challenging, that was hard, mm. because part of me just desperately wanted to go home at that point. Yeah. That I was, that you live with people and you're in such close quarters that any small thing, you know, them putting the soap on the wrong side of the yeah. sink or whatever it was, that sort of sets you off. And so it was a really hard, I think Christmas was really hard because mm. we were still together at Christmas. And I think it probably would have been useful to have a break, but neither of us were brave enough to sort of go off on our own yet. Because at this point you were, what, 19? Uh, no, 18. 18. Still 18? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, wasn't, wow. I wasn't 19 until the, until the next summer. So, so you're still young. Yeah, oh God, yeah, still children. Young. So well, that was my kind of a question as you no. described this, like what, what, what made you want to come back? I didn't. Did you? <laughs> you didn't? No. I had the job in Malawi and I had already, I hadn't applied to university because I knew I was going and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to do acting. Oh, so you applied before going? No, no, I didn't. You I didn't apply. You applied whilst you were no, there? No, 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 I didn't apply at all. Okay. Because I just wasn't sure and I knew if I was going to do acting, I'd have to go and do auditions. Mm. And a lot of uni- a, a lot of state schools, mature students is, is, is what they want. They, mm. they want that emotional range. So I didn't do any of that. But this job in Malawi, they said, look, you could be bar manager. I've been there six months. I said, well, you could be bar manager. You just stay. We'll, do you, we'll help you with your visas. You can have temporary residency. Yeah, okay. It'll be fine. Because I had temporary residency when I was in Zimbabwe. And they were going to up my salary. And, and it would have been a bit more permanent. And I loved it because it was great working at the bar. I phoned my dad mm. and said, Dad, I'm going mm. to just extend my ticket. And I'm not, I'm not coming back. And, and he said you need to be back on the, on the next flight, on the flight we're expecting you on, or I will be flying out wow. and I will bring you home. Wow. <laughs> and so he forced me to come home, basically. Which is okay, I wasn't, I, I needed to come home. Yeah. I, if I hadn't come home, then I would have been out there forever and that would have been it. And it would have been, it wouldn't, it would have been a mistake yeah. to stay. I love it a lot. And I, I've been back out to South Africa and I would go out at the drop of a hat when it's the right time, I will be back out. But it wasn't. I, he, yeah, I had to come yeah, home, and so I came home. You need and dads in your life. Yes. Yeah, and he just said, and "This is what's going to happen." I love the fact that you're 18 at this point, so you're a free man in inverted commas, yeah. as most people say. Yeah. But like, in the, when your father's raw, still your father's raw. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? absolutely. When your dad says you do something, honestly. Yeah, yeah. There's a listener that are 15 or whatever. Yeah. It's like, no, you still do it. Yeah, it's Even instinctive. Now. <laughs> All right, dad. Yeah, I'll do it. Even in my 30s, now I was like, yeah, 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 we'll have that done. Yeah. So I yeah. came back. And um, I was here for three months and I applied to university. I went round a couple of universities. I didn't particularly like a few of them. Mm. I went round Hull and really liked it. Mm. And they gave me an unconditional offer. Brilliant. Um, because by that point, you've got your A-levels. Yeah, course, I, had, so I had my A-levels. I redid. I did the same thing, you see. Yeah, I think, it, I think, I don't know how people cope with the university at 18. Mm. But I'm different. I'm different yeah. to my wife who I met at university arrived at university after doing her A-levels she yeah. was absolutely fine right um, and, and she did it and she loved it and um, we you know we've travelled to Thailand we've travelled to yeah. to Europe we've travelled to South Africa but I couldn't have coped I, I I don't know what it is but I just know that I wouldn't have been able to do it hmm. so I think taking that time out and realising actually 
that it it doesn't have to be straight away. Like A level, yeah. yeah. if you've got the A levels, mm. you, they're, they're in the bank, and and you can go back to that thing, and there are you get to university, you realise that you, you know I was twenty one mm. when I started. Mm. Uh, Lucy, my wife, was eighteen. There was a guy there who was nineteen. There was a guy there was thirty four. Yeah. There was a woman who was yeah. forty seven. All doing the same course, same discussions. You go, you know, you talk to your lecturers. I found it slightly easy to have discussions with my lecturers. I think, yeah, um, because because I'd been I'd been working for for two years with people and people had been coming mm. and asking me questions about those sorts of things. You getting the, getting the levels in the bank, I think, was the probably the best thing that I did because then I, I had to go back and redo English literature and I did a sociology level in those three months. Right, um, in three months, yeah. that is impressive. Well, I didn't have anything else to do, so so <laughs> I booked the exams, I paid for the exams at my old school and I got the textbooks and yeah. my sociology A-level, I had six exams and I dropped, I think, two marks wow. across all six wow. because I, I was just ready to learn. And, and I so I worked. And I got an A in English literature. Incredible. Um, because because I, I, I could do it. Yeah. And I just, I had taken 18 months out and, and that had worked. But right. I could bank, the rest of them I'd banked. So I didn't have to think about them. I, didn't, yeah. I, I just knew that they were, they're on, they're on the CV. That's what gets sent out. But and by this point, you've already got your unconditional offer. So yeah. This is purely yeah. for yourself. It's yeah. not even. Yeah, um, no, 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 it was just because I, I, I wanted to do it. I was really interested in sociology. Yeah. And um, still am. I think it was probably yeah. if I hadn't done theatre studies in English, that would have been what what I did with sociology. Mm. You did theatre studies in English. Did you yes. ever plan on working in the theatre? Was there ever? Yes, I did. Yeah, I worked. Um, have you done it? You yeah, yeah, in yeah. I worked in TV in bits and bobs when I was younger, and a lot of theatre, um, and then at university. We did Edinburgh Festival. Um, oh, wow, we so. did National Student Drama Festival three times. I was running National Student Drama Festival while I was there. We were sort of the local organisers. Um, and I did an Alan Aitbourne premiere, Miss Yesterday. No one will have ever heard of it. <laughs> but we got four stars in the Times, and that was wow. year after university because I was working at the theatre. When, and I was there, and they needed an actor. What's, what's it like doing Edinburgh then? It's like, Edinburgh's brilliant. Oh, oh God. I've okay. never even been. Can you believe that? I've never been to the festival. Been? Oh, no, genuine. And um, I, we've started going to a comedy club quite often in, that runs in York. Yeah. And it's the. We've watched a few Edinburgh previews, but yeah. the Edinburgh previews are people that are about to make the debut in Edinburgh. Yeah. And so, like, it's 40 minutes, a little bit nervous, but it's yeah. raw. And some of it's not quite there yet, and some of it's really funny. Yeah. But I love that process. Yes. I love seeing that yeah. early stage of like, this person may or may not become big or make a career yeah. out of it, but it's just, you can I see I think it. there's a real it's privilege exciting. in that. We, I mean, Edinburgh came about because in our, at the end of our first year of university, a guy called Dan said, I've booked a venue right. in Edinburgh and I've paid for it. <laughs> well. So we need a show. And then he ran auditions and there was about 10 of us and we called mm. it Audiosity. Um, and it was based on, on music tracks that we liked. We listened to a lot of music stuff, mm. a lot of movement stuff, bits and bobs of comedy. And, and then we went up mm. and we stayed on people's floors and did the show. And we did it for, we did it for two weeks. Where are you performing then? Yeah, yeah. Is it at the back end of a pub? Like yeah, you pretty, see or pretty the, like 90%, of 95% of the venues are really small. So yeah. we had, it was a proper theatre space. 
But so was, how many people have you got there then? Have you got um, three, ten, fifteen? Well, well, the average audience for an Edinburgh Festival show is about four, but yeah. we averaged about twenty-five. Wow. Fifty was the the max I think for the venue, and we yeah. had um, two or three nights we we had full. We got Incredible. good reviews. And, and um, did you make money from it? Uh, no, we didn't make any money from it, but I think Dan might have made. He made his money back. Yeah. yeah on yeah, the cost of the thing, yeah. But we didn't get anything for it. We just did it for. Because we, yeah, we love the theatre, but it was it was brilliant. I would wow. do I would do it again. And you just the the good thing about Edinburgh then was that you just book a venue mm. and you just give them the name of the show and sort of and that's it. And you're there and everyone's doing doing the same thing. They they're doing shows and some of the shows are rubbish and some of them are brilliant. But it's not it's cut sort of regardless about whether it's good or not. It like everyone's trying to mm. express themselves. And and there's a there's a sort of a push for that, so it's just well worth going. Me and my wife will dump the kids for the day yeah. with parents. My parents are in Newcastle, and we'll get on the train and we'll drive. We'll on the train on the way up. We'll get on the mobile and read the descriptions of the shows mm. and book the shows on the train. Get off the train, go to one of the venues and print off the tickets for the day, and then and then just watch theatre all day and then go on the last train so that's a, it's a great great yeah. day out it's intense you've got to it's you got to track across Edinburgh to get to different shows but yeah. it, they're, they're, they're good they're well worth well worth going to I think sounds good from, from acting well from this acting mm-hmm. is that straight into teaching and at that point did it did it feel exciting or did it feel a bit flat for honest you've done Africa yeah we've done yeah. like just exams and through as because you can because by this point you're like yeah. you're the big man and you can do whatever yeah. you want yeah. you know what I mean like you would, you can't touch this you know what I mean like you, you're was, putting out flames and then you go into university and you smash it through that I imagine you did well at university yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and you're at Hull which is a really good university yeah. as well you go into acting you try in Edinburgh and it's all a bit of a laugh yeah. and then it was teaching I was excited was that, was that your next stop yeah pretty much oh. I was, we were I'd done the show and we got a job with the university doing widening participations work which was doing basically youth theatres in schools and yeah. the university was funding it and we went into schools I found that doing the PGC really hard because it was different to the degree and it, it was hard mm. training to be a teacher mm. whoever you are wherever you're training just punishing mm. it's um then it's almost they knock you down to build you up again yeah i think and sometimes if you knock down too much and you don't get back up quick enough it it just kills you and i found the pgc drama course incredibly difficult okay um and so stopped right and said i'm not doing it and that was a big step yeah because i stopped it and i didn't have a job yeah and so and or any funding and we had you know rent to pay in york and all this stuff and that was what I was going to do. I was going to be a teacher. Mm. Pretty much, I'd sort of decided that's what I was going to do. And and I stopped it. And I thought, I'm not doing This isn't right. It didn't feel right. Mm. It just wasn't, it just didn't go. And I knew it didn't feel right. And so mm. I stopped. And I was quite confident in doing that. So I've realised, I think, sometimes if something doesn't feel right, then just you've got to stop. Yeah. You've got to stop and refocus because because you're only going to go further down a, down the wrong path. And what's, what's for the future? Um, gosh, I don't know. I keep getting job offers from yeah. people. Yes, I have a friend who is living in Africa currently at the moment who keeps emailing me and saying, well, we've got this deputy head position. You could come and teach here at this international wow. school. But um, I've got two kids, so so that's a no-no at the moment. For the moment. Yeah. I don't know, maybe, maybe in a couple of years. 
Yeah, uh, would, you, would you ever return to Africa? Oh, then? in a heartbeat. Would you? Yeah, and it's would, amazing. Would you take the kids? I mean, would you return for yes, more, would, than, yeah. more than six months or more? Oh, yeah. Than yeah, I would. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I've had friends that have done it. Um, okay. And yeah, yeah, I would. It's, it's, uh, I, there's no words to describe it. It is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. I have a student who's currently doing Project Trust at the moment there mm. in Johannesburg, she is, or just outside of Johannesburg, and she's just been to a music festival and Brilliant. and is 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 loving it. So Project Trust is still going with that sort of thing, and yeah. and it's well, it's it's life changing. Yeah, it is. I was, was going to ask you just as we leave, as we kind of bring this sort of uh-huh. slightly to an end, but what yeah, organisations and things. Is there anything you can recommend for there be a lot of young people listening there that are thinking, do you know what? I'm just intrigued, yeah. and obviously we can Google stuff, but it's nice to have a recommendation. Yeah. From Project Trust is the the organisation that I chose to go with. Okay. They, they're based on an island in Scotland called Col, and one of the first challenges is getting there for your selection course, okay. um, but they're brilliant, yes. they, their support network is, is insane, they've been mm. doing it for 40 years, wow. um, and I picked them because they did it for 12 months, okay. they do offer 8 month placements now I think, but I really wanted to go for 12 months, mm. and so that was, that was my main reason for doing it, and I apply to them towards the end of year 12 in sixth form yeah and went on a selection course September of October of year 13 and then was selected to, to go to for project, yeah. project trust then yeah they're, they're you google project trust or yes. project trust yeah, yeah. dot com yeah but yeah if you google project trust they're, they're very very good yeah well yeah. thanks ever so much for your time well thank you very much anytime it's been awesome and um, we'll keep chatting yeah brilliant. thank you listening to the YFD Your Future Decided podcast. Stay tuned for the next instalment and if you haven't done already then make sure you head over to our website at www.yourfuturedecided.co.uk.